Our gospel readings for this Ash Wednesday service come from Mark chapter 6, Luke chapter 10, and Matthew chapter 11. First, Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had taught and done. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Then Luke 10, verse 17, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one, know, who know, no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And then finally, from Matthew chapter 11, this will be our touchstone throughout the Lenten season. Verse 28, Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I've got two things to share with you this evening. The first thing is that the easy yoke is a yoke. And secondly, that his yoke gives rest. So what is a yoke? Y-O-K-E, not Y-O-L-K. That's what you get in your eggs. Y-O-K-E. This is a device that unites two oxen, two beasts of burden together, so that they can share the load, the burden, of what they are pulling. So yokes are good things. They're not bad. Being under a yoke, well, that at least means that you're not doing the work alone. You're tied to another beast of burden and sharing the load. And in Jesus' day, there were lots of rabbis, and every rabbi had a yoke. A rabbi's yoke was his manner of life. It was his habits. It was his disciplines. And so to be a disciple of a rabbi meant 
that you took that rabbi's yoke upon you. This is normal stuff that Jesus is talking about. But so many rabbis were offering people yokes, but these yokes were heavy and they were burdensome. And the rabbis themselves, Jesus said, often had no interest in actually being yoked with you. They would pull none of the weight and shoulder none of the burden themselves. Their invitation was basically, here's some burdens, pull them all by yourself. We'll watch. We'll tell you when you're doing it wrong. When you start doing it right, we'll add more weight. How's that sound? And so Jesus came and found people pushed around by the rough, forced burdens of spiritual leaders. Jesus finds tonight so many of us pushed around by the rough, forced burdens of our culture. Do more, faster, better, be a perfect parent, spouse, and produce And it's so rare that your boss comes alongside of you like my boss in Seoul, South Korea did and says, listen, you have permission to breathe, permission to fail, and permission to be human. How rare is that? So Jesus sneaks into our city and our culture and he says, according to one paraphrase of this passage from Matthew, walk with me and work with me, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Isn't that great? Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus says, wouldn't you like to work for and with somebody who's different, who's gentle for a change? Jerusalem had many religious leaders who said, if you want to be one of us, prove it by your spiritual work. Their religious work was on display for everyone. Pray on the street so that people hear you working your religion. Give money with trumpets announcing your generosity. Don't just follow the scriptures. Commit to our extra tough interpretations of those rules and our extra rules on top of it. And you can show how hardworking you are as a religious person under our yoke. Now, you and I are probably not tempted to go out on the streets and pray so that people will see that we belong really to our religion. Instead, what you and I do is hustle and strive and work through our lunch breaks and answer emails at 2 a.m. Why? In order to show people, just like people at Jesus Day, who we are, hard workers who are worthy, who can make it in a place like Zurich, Switzerland. Jesus comes instead to shoulder the burden for us, to carry the weight, and then to walk and to work alongside of us as we share the burden. We do have work assigned to us. It's a yoke. But if it's the actual work that we've been given by our master... It may not always be easy work, but it's not a burden if it's Jesus's work. It's light. Why? Because Jesus did not come as a harsh slave master demanding that we prove ourselves by what we do. He came 
to do something, first of all. He came to let us walk beside him then and to identify with him in what he already accomplished at the cross. He came and he served God and he loved his neighbor all day, every day. He came to die for us and for our sins. He came to let us identify with him in his death so that we can live new lives in his resurrection life. So Jesus doesn't just talk about relief from our crushing workload. He bears the full weight of the work. And then he says, here, now take my yoke upon you. So Jesus sneaks into our secular city and he says, wouldn't you like to identify with all that I've done instead of endlessly proving yourself to yourself and to others and to God? Would you like to work in and with and from my spirit and my energy as a team, as partners, in a partnership where I have already borne the heat of the day and the ultimate weight and burden. The yoke of Jesus is a yoke, friends. But when we come under Jesus' yoke, the burden is light. The great work has already been done. And the work that's left to do, we get to do it shoulder to shoulder with Jesus as we work out the implications in our lives of the saving work that he's already done by giving us his very life. Jesus, can you believe the work we've been able to do? The disciples say, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus says, look, friends, the spirits submitting to my name is nothing new. I saw Satan himself fall like lightning when he could no longer stand in my presence as a rebellious liar. You will do lots of good work in my name, and it will impress many people, but trust me, you don't want to rejoice that you have spiritual power at your disposal. What you want to rejoice in is that your names are written in heaven. You are the ones with names that are treasured in the same way that my heavenly father treasures my own name. Don't ever do a single bit of work under my yoke apart from the easiness and the lightness and the freedom and the joy of knowing that you are the treasured children of your heavenly father whose inheritance is yours apart from anything that you could ever do. All your effort amounts to no earning at all. All your effort is rather energized by your status as sons in me. So the yoke, friends, is a yoke. But secondly, this is a yoke that gives rest. Now, if we know anything of our modern culture, it's that it can be restless. It doesn't matter whether your vacation is two days or two weeks or two months out of the year. You're restless. We are restless. It doesn't matter whether you are checking your to-do list every two minutes or checking Twitter every two minutes. We are a restless people. It doesn't matter whether the stores are closed on Sunday or open all the time. It doesn't matter how rich we are or how quiet our neighborhood is we are restless. Jesus came into the ancient cities that he came to filled with restless souls. 
people overloaded with cares and concerns, bearing the demands of religion and cultural expectations, and on top of that, having to earn a livelihood, dealing with assumptions about what it meant to be a real woman or a real man and all the rest. And those ancient Jewish cities, they longed for and they hoped for rest from Roman oppression, from every other form of weariness. And some people believed that rest was coming soon, that the Messiah was on the way. And it's at that time that Jesus snuck into their cities and said, guys, rest is here in me. Now, the myth of our modern city is that if we work, work, work now, we can rest later. But then when the weekend comes, or the summer vacation comes, or the day that our kids leave the house finally comes, or our retirement comes, what happens? We are still restless. We don't know how to rest. St. Augustine said, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Well, Jesus sneaks into our modern city, and he asks, what if I objectively give you rest? by making you my very own? What if I began to make rest a permanent experienced reality for you at the very center of your being? You've heard a lot of false promises of rest, rest which never comes at the end of all your striving. Wouldn't you like a rest that's different? A rest that begins now, whether you're working or vacationing? A rest that lasts forever? I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls here with me. The disciplines of discipleship, the life lived under the yoke of Jesus, includes not just tilling the soil, but also resting together, us, Jesus. We are called to rest You've done so much, Jesus says. You've ministered to people's needs. Let's get away for a while. Let's find a solitary place. We'll get back to work soon enough. But our real task right now is to enter into deep rest together. If you want to be my disciple, Jesus says, you also have to rest with me. You know, I used to think that the point of human life was to get saved, to get my relationship right with God. And then my Presbyterian friends taught me that the answer to the question, what is the chief end of man, was the chief end of man is to glorify God. Okay, my point in life is to glorify God. But then there's one little thing at the end of that answer. And finally, I'm in a stage in my life now where I'm really leaning into this end of this question and answer. What is the chief end of man? The Catechism says the chief end of man is not just to glorify God, but to enjoy Him forever. We enter into Lent and into the disciplines of discipleship. Why? In order to become more fully human to begin to enjoy God like we will forever. 
And in our intimate familiarity with the Lord Jesus Christ, we come under his unburdensome yoke, and we do his will, and we glorify his name. Friends, take the easy yoke upon you this Lent. Take his work and his rest upon you. Enjoy and glorify your Lord this Lent and forevermore. Amen.